Happy Tuesday, everyone. It's time for Downtown Dish. I'm your host, Julie Townsend. And with me today is a very special guest because she is one of my co-workers. Uh, Brittany Melson is here to, she is our uh, LDDA's marketing and events manager. So if you have ever attended a First Friday or if you've attended the farmer's market, uh, then you have seen her expertise in work. So welcome, Brittany. Hello. So Brittany is where he, I, I asked Brittany to come mainly because she suggested that she would come because the guest that I was going to have canceled on me at the last minute. <laughs> She's like, do you want me to come talk about the farmer's market? I was like, yes, let's talk about that. But we have a lot actually to talk about. We can talk about the farmer's market. We can talk about First Friday. Um, and, uh, and, and I think it's important to talk about those things because we haven't talked about them on this show yet. We've been doing this show for, gosh, uh, at least a year. And we haven't really even plugged our own events. So it's our time, Brittany. Yes. It's our turn. It's our turn. So um, for those who may not know, and I don't think, I don't know how much you know, Brittany, how long have you been with LDDA? It seems like a million years. But I think it's um, <laughs> eight years. Mean? Eight years. What do you mean? <laughs> you mean it's been the the most wonderful eight years of your life? Absolutely. Is yes. that what you mean? Okay. Yes, I do. Just checking. Uh, so yeah, you've been, yeah, it's been about eight years. You didn't, I didn't, I didn't hire you that much behind me actually becoming the executive director. So I think you might have followed me by maybe a, a year at the most, year and a half. And uh, so I'm in year, um, I just completed year nine. So now I get to be in year 10. Um, double digits coming up soon. Uh, so, but the farmer's market is actually celebrating double digits. It's going to be 20 years old next year. Did you know that? I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> You're so busy. I'm not as well versed on the history. <laughs> so yeah, the farmer's market uh, began as a project of the Lakeland Downtown Development Authority uh, a long time ago. And it actually started in what we we call the Bay Street parking lot, but what everyone else uh, probably knows it as the where No Bay sits today. That was actually a city-owned parking lot. And apparently that was the uh, original location of Lakeland's first farmer's market way back in the day. So that they chose that spot because it was kind of the historical spot. Uh, can you guess why it didn't stay in the parking lot, Brittany? Absolutely no shade. And uh, yeah, not <laughs> yes, a great location. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, the, the lack of shade factor uh, made that a challenge. And I think maybe after a year or so, uh, they actually moved the market to the uh, state buildings plaza, the Curtis Peterson's plaza, which is right there just north of the railroad tracks and had an agreement with the state to use uh, their sort of pedestrian plaza uh, and had the farmer's market there for many, many years. Were, and I know you started off as a vendor. I do remember that. I remember, yeah, yeah my sister started as a vendor there in that plaza mm -hmm. and then I was a vendor briefly there. I can't even remember. I tried a variety of different products. <laughs> I'm better managing this yeah. than selling stuff. <laughs> so yeah, the so the the farmers market uh, started. I think in it was it was some at some period in 2004. I'm not sure exactly which month. I don't know if it started in the um, the fiscal year, which would be October one, or if it started in that summer and then they you know decided to keep it. But at some point in 2004, it it began, and I think in 2011 or 12 is when it moved from the state plaza into the street. And uh, I think the state uh, just decided they didn't want to, you know, let us use that space anymore. And 
they took it back and there was all, you know, controversy. Where does the farmer's market go? And I was actually on the board of the LDDA at the time. And we uh, had some merchants come and, and sort of um, politic where to put the market. It was very interesting, very full of intrigue. Uh, we had just, we had thought maybe we put it down on Lemon Street, but there's no merchants on Lemon Street, but there's lots of shade on Lemon Street. And we know how important shade is. We'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, those merchants actually politicked uh, the board and said that they wanted in, in in the streets in front of their businesses. They thought it would be uh, um, help their sales and their exposure to the community. So um, that's where it went. And it was it started at the railroad tracks and went north to uh, Bay Street. Originally. Just Bay. It was yes. a little baby market. Yes, yeah. it was a teeny, two blocks. Yeah, two city, two little, well, really a block and a half because that block between the railroad tracks and Pine Street is very small. And uh, for it stayed that way for, for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then at some point, I don't know why we went. Well, I guess we, no, it is Bay Street. It's still Bay Street. We turned down Bay. Is that where you're going to? Yeah, yep, well, we, we turned did, down Bay. But we go to Oak now. Well, we turned down Bay and customers didn't turn down Bay, which is sad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. You're yes. right. Yes, we, we wanted to expand and we had some uh, pushback from some merchants on North Kentucky who didn't want it to expand because they felt that it was going to block their businesses. And so we turned on Bay Street. And so that was weird and it was very difficult and we could only have really one row of of booths because of the narrow it's not a street that has parking so just has two lanes of traffic and uh we made signage and all kinds of stuff please go this way lots more merchants this way but just that turning of the corner uh was a challenge and so the merchants that were or the vendors that were on that block were were usually not particularly happy no yeah not very happy and uh, and so at some point we did renegotiate with those uh, businesses, the business that didn't want us to go north, and we ended up going north on Kentucky to Oak Street, and that was a huge improvement, I think. Definitely, yep. So then we were from Pine to Oak uh, for many many years, and um, and then what happened, Brittany? The pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> the pandemic hit. The pandemic changes everything. Uh, so yeah, so when uh, COVID hit we decided that uh, we needed to social distance like everyone else. And we were lucky enough that the market uh, was considered, um, what did they call it? A vital, a vital business. Was that the wording? Essential. Essential. Essential, Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Uh, She's the marketing director. So she's a good with words, good with words. (laughs) Uh, So yes, it was an essential business and it was actually because we had a lot of folks, we have a a great snap program, which you can explain uh, to, to the, to the listeners later. Uh, But we have a great program uh, for folks who take, who, who receive snap benefits and we didn't want to make it difficult for them to have access and so we decided uh, we did close. How long did we close? It was maybe um, I believe it was we closed in March, part of March and April. We started coming back with a mini market in in May That's right. in that parking lot. Yes. Um, and then I believe it was back June, July, June. We yeah. Came, we did the expanded footprint, maybe. Yeah, we yeah. didn't we didn't stay closed for long, but um, it we tried to do sort of an online version that was challenging. That was difficult for everyone. Yes. Logistically. Yeah, it was sort of the it was sort of the Instacart. It actually, yes. <laughs> except we didn't deliver. We just we we packaged everything and then you picked it up from our office. So we 
well, we missed the calling on that. We should have we should have marketed or branded that, and we'd be millionaires today, right? With exactly. our, with Instacart. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we um, we tried to do some sort of you know pickup version, order online, pick up your market items, uh, and that 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 was appreciated by the merchants, but it was not it was not uh, a slam dunk in terms of sales. And so then what we decided was to approach the city and ask them if we could take the footprint all the way down to Lemon so that we could have plenty of space between vendors to social distance. And uh, and I told the mayor uh, at the time, I said, you know, once we go to Lemon, we're never we're never bouncing back. People are going to love it. The merchants are gonna, on South Kentucky are going to love it. And uh, so be prepared for the expanded footprint to be not temporary, but permanent. And uh, and there there we are today. So everybody loved it. Everybody loved it. And and once uh, COVID passed, we were able to fill in the gaps and, and, and invite more vendors. And I think everyone uh, who attends the farmer's market would agree that it's very, very successful uh, in its in its current footprint. So that's kind of the nutshell of the history. And Brittany, you know, chimed in where she had the expertise to do so. But now it's going to be all Brittany when you come back. It's going to she's going to tell us all about the farmer's market uh, what kind of vendors we have, what the process is, uh, and why you need to come shop with us every Saturday. So stick with us. And we're back. You're listening to Downtown Dish. I'm your host, Julie Townsend. And with me today is Brittany Melson. Brittany is Downtown Lakeland's event and marketing manager or marketing and events manager, depending on the day, what she's doing the most of that day. But she is, uh, she's the gal who brings us first Fridays and the downtown farmers curb market. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a lot of work. So thank you, Brittany. Thank you. So we were talking before the break, just about the history of the event and how it came to be and how it came to be in the footprint that it is today. Because if you haven't visited downtown in you know, maybe, well, I guess three three years now, COVID time. I'm just in a time warp. I don't even know. But pre-COVID, we were only north of the railroad tracks. And now uh, post-COVID, we've expanded all the way to Lemon Street. So what is that? Five city blocks? Five city blocks, six different zones. Yes. My, my perspective of yeah. zones. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You have a very organized. Uh, and speaking of that, so just sort of tell us the, the, um, the growth of the market in the last couple of years. So before, you know, I, I would always keep track of the number of vendors attending even before I was the, the market manager. And now, you know, we used to have 50 or 60 on a weekend. And now we consistently have 100 plus and we haven't even reached complete capacity yet. So that's what growing did for us, you yeah. know, the ability. But we also don't necessarily want to reach capacity because there's always new vendors approaching us saying, I've got this amazing product and we want to have room for them. Um, but there's literally a little bit of everything at the market now. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I think that's important a lot, we get inquiries every week. We have a very rigid uh, and very um, programmed process by which we accept vendors. And as you can imagine, uh, everybody who comes, you know, comes to the market or or hears about the market, they're like, 
you know, yeah, can I just rent a table this Saturday on a Thursday afternoon? Mm-hmm. So what what is our answer to that, Brittany? Well, my first answer is they'll usually say, can I rent a table at your flea market? So I'll say, well, <laughs> oh. it's not a flea market. It's a farmer's market. <laughs> right. And there is a very detailed application process. And if you are accepted, there are many pieces of paperwork you have to fill out. <laughs> so you understand all the rules. Right. And, um, you know, we are very choosy. Yes. Yes. Well, and one of the challenges uh, that, and, and this, you know, from the founders of the market, it's already, it's always been a curated market. They, it's always been an application process. It's not just, you know, hey, there's an empty space in the street, you know, give us, you know, X amount of dollars and it's yours. Uh, and and that was smart. And, uh, you know, we, we, we were stand on the shoulders of the wisdom of, of the folks that created that process um, because we don't want a lot of duplication and competition because we want all of our vendors to, you know, make money and sell, right? Exactly. Yeah. So what kind of vendors, um, you know, you said not a flea market, it's a farmer's market. So um, tell us what, what, what you think the difference is in those two types of markets and why ours is a farmer's market. Well, a flea market is is definitely not curated. They're not trying to create a balance of products. If they have five candle vendors show up, five candle vendors can set up. Right. Whereas we want the vendors that we accept to be successful and to, you know, have the best customer base that mm-hmm. they can keep customers happy with a wide variety of products. So I think it's just the curated aspect mm-hmm. that makes it uh, not a flea market. Now, with regard, we also have farmers. You know, some of them are reselling produce, but some of them are growing it themselves. So we, that definitely is what makes us a farmer market. But, yeah. yeah, I think, and it's a challenge. We had a, a comment. Um, I can't remember if it was an email or, or a Facebook comment, but uh, someone sort of, critiquing the, the farmer's market saying, you know, why did you, why do you call yourself a farmer's market? You don't have hardly any farmers. There's more, there's more produce at the Arbondale flea market. And, uh, and that may be true, but why is that? That is because um, the vast majority of, of those people are produce resellers, right. which we have some at the farmer's market. Right. But literally if any farmer comes to us, they get accepted. Yeah. You know, we don't turn away farmers. Yeah. So, so all you farmers out there, yes, <laughs> come to us. Yes, please. Um, and we do. We have some some great farmers that have been with us for since the the beginning of the market. We have Aqua Organics, and she's got a, a place on Memorial as well. Does she sell during the week there? Uh, I'm not sure if she okay. she's there anymore, but she has her farm okay. um, that she grows. They have the I think it's called Aquaponic, like a combination of hydroponic and mm-hmm. Aqua Organics. A really unique process. Delicious lettuce. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And then um, who, else, who, who, you know, because uh, you're, you're Eco there, Farm, right? Debbie Eco. Butts. Yes. Eco Farm, yeah. Yes. She, uh, I, th- I can't remember. I think she's in Plant City, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, she has stuff that actually grows in Florida, which is very creative sometimes, very mm-hmm. different kind of stuff. Where I have to Google it and be like, how do I use this? Um, <laughs> how so, do I, I'm going to buy it, but I yes. don't know how to eat it. Yes. Yeah. And every year she has daikon radish, which if you've never tried that, that's delicious. Mm. It's really tasty. I just bought some of that this past Saturday. I make a potato salad with her potatoes and mm. daikon radish chopped up in it. It's very nice. tasty. Yeah. Well, glad to see the uh, market manager is, you know. <laughs> I support as well. <laughs> buying buying products and eating eating the produce there. And uh, I actually bought uh, some microgreens this past Saturday, trying to be a better eater. And so it was from Sprout Up. Sprout Up Urban Farm, mm-hmm. another farmer. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was so cute because she actually cut them off the little, the little 
the, gra- the little dirt that was, she yes. has them in these little pans and she just cut them off and put them in the bag. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's so fresh. Yeah. So yeah, they were tasty. I yeah. just threw them in my salad and lots of nutrients and not a lot of hard work to get those nutrients. So yeah. I was, I was pretty proud of myself. Yeah, she has <laughs> microgreens, cat grass, lettuce, really tasty stuff. The cat grass meaning for cats. Yeah, yeah. Do you did you get some for your kitty cats? I did not. My my cats. You know they shouldn't hear this. I did not buy them any last <laughs> Saturday, but I have in the past, and they love it. It's yeah. really good for them. Helps yeah. their digestion. Yeah. Does it work for dogs too? Do you know? I have no idea. Okay, you're. I'm not person. as well versed in dogs. <laughs> I know. I have dogs. You have cats. We are different worlds. <laughs> so, um, in addition to our farmers, and we do have some great resellers because really we need the resellers. I mean, right? They bring that wide variety of stuff that's not necessarily grown exactly in Polk County or surrounding counties. You know, right. a wider variety. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, you, you you've got to have that. You can't because that's you've got the captive audience of the customers. You got to keep them there. Um, you know, as long as possible and make sure that you can provide them, uh, you know, as as much produce for their trip as possible. And um, but we have a lot of great other foods, which is what really I think um, is exciting to a lot of people about the market, either stuff that you can eat right there on the spot for lunch or, you know, sauces and spices. So tell us about some of those guys. Um, So we try to do as much exotic food as we can. Mm -hmm. So we have Thai food, Filipino food, Hawaiian food, um, all different kinds of food. And we have beignets now and Mm. coconut bars, yeah, (laughs) seafood, you know, southern seafood. So as much variety as we can, we love to have. And then with the ready to eat, you've got people selling spices and um, olive salad and Mm -hmm. homemade jam, all different pickles, Mm -hmm. jerky, all different kinds of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, it's you you can buy, you know, and we we have uh, we have again and we struggle with this sometimes. And so it comes it comes and goes from the market. But we have uh, meat. Yes. Yeah, we have we have a, a, a local. Oh, and that's another farmer. I didn't, yeah, I didn't mention farmer. that farmer. He also grows his own um, chickens yep. and brings them to the market. Yeah. So I, yeah. I bought two chicken breasts this past Saturday and they are marinating in my refrigerator as we speak. So I will have them for dinner tonight. So I'm very excited. I will let you know. We are happy to have him here. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we have great food. Uh, We have great uh, produce vendors and we have some great resellers because we've got to have, you know, that variety of product. Um, And it's really grown. Like as, as Brittany said earlier, we went from what 50 or 60 and now we're a steady Probably every every week about a hundred. Every week in the spring is a hundred plus. Now it'll dip a little bit in June and July because it gets so hot, but yeah. we're still talking eighty ninety, so it's still significantly higher than before. Yeah, yep. yeah. and that's you know obviously we had the space for them, yep. but prior to that we didn't really have a super long waiting list. Um, I mean we have a bigger waiting list now when we have room for more vendors than we've had in the past, right? That is, yep, that is accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when we come back, we'll talk about some of our non-food vendors because we have a lot of great artisans and crafters that deserve some love. And then we're going to talk about the process and then we're going to talk about, you know, all the the, um, challenges of, of running a farmer's market on the streets of a city. So stick with us. Thanks for sticking around. You're listening to Downtown Dish. I'm your host, Julie Townsend, and my guest is Brittany Melson, Downtown Lakeland's 
events and marketing manager or marketing and events manager. I say that wrong every time. I don't know why. You always put the events first. (laughs) And I wrote the job description and the title. So whatever. You're just the all-around gal who does all all things downtown Lakeland. So thanks for being with me. Uh, we're talking about the farmer's market, and uh, we were talking about our wonderful food vendors. But um, before we move on to our craft and artisan vendors, which we have tons of, and sort of the challenges of of how we pick those, because that can be a little tricky. Um, we we failed what well, we wanted to, to mention before we uh, went to break but ran out of time, our SNAP program. So tell the listeners what that is. So if you are a SNAP user, which is um, what used to be called food stamps, mm-hmm. if you have a SNAP card, uh, you can spend it at the market. So you stop by our market info tent, you swipe your card, you get little red tokens that you can spend with all the vendors who are eligible to accept those. So food vendors that are not selling ready to eat food. But the unique thing about our market is that uh, the money you take off your card up to $40 per weekend, uh, we will match. And the matching is, you know, in the form of green tokens. So let's say you take $10 off your card, you're going to get another $10 to spend on Florida grown fruits, vegetables, and edible plants. And that's part of our fresh access bucks program. So that not only helps, um, customers have access to fresh food and doubling their snap in that respect, but it also helps those farmers we were talking about, the ones from Florida who have those products. It helps them as well. So it's a great program. People who use it are very, very happy with it that they can double their money up to $40 every single weekend. And anytime there's been any kind of sort of natural disaster, I mean, we've had several Mm -hmm. (laughs) hurricanes in the last, you know, decade. And then we had, of course, uh, the coronavirus, um, the the fab folks would would remove the the forty dollar limit and just say unlimited matching and 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 that really brought in a lot of customers and we had what is that called the the PEBT card pandemic EBT cards right. as well yes yep when we had pandemic EBT cards and unlimited match it was crazy I mean people could get five hundred dollars off their card and they'd get five hundred dollars free to spend on Florida grown fruits vegetables and edible plants so. right so if anyone still has a the white black and white pandemic EBT card if you had a child in school and I think the reason that they gave those out was because they weren't able to feed your children at school school lunch or breakfast uh, so they compensated by giving everyone these uh, pandemic EBT cards uh, and they gave them to everybody. I mean, there was not an income um, adjustment for that. It was if you had a child in school, I believe you got one because I got one. That's how I know. And uh, so you're able to take that and swipe that card and and double your your benefits uh, at the farmer's market. And yeah. so, yeah, buying those um, I bought with my green tokens this past mm-hmm. weekend because I still have some uh, the um, the microgreens. Yep. So I was able to, you know, I was like, I don't know if I'll like these. I don't know if they'll taste good. I've never had microgreens before. So, yeah, I was I was able to shop without, you know, worry or um, feeling like I was risking something. (laughs) But um, so, yeah, you can so definitely uh, tell your friends and family if they are SNAP uh, recipients that they can come and uh, double their uh, double their benefits, basically, at the farmer's market. So. Tell us about um, sort of the the kind of crafters and artisans that we have, the kind of that we're looking for, and then how we sometimes make adjustments to that yes. that rule. Um, so there's a lot of different things you can create by hand. So, you know, um, we have artists who have canvas paintings. We have people who make their own clothing, um, people who paint you know uh, one guy does wood burning mm-hmm. on the thing. Other people make furniture, pretty much um 
pottery, mm-hmm. basically anything you can think of that you can make by hand. Uh, that's you know a good fit for our farmers market. We right. want people who make stuff by hand. Right. Yep. So that's that's hard for us to always uh, curate because sometimes um, we we see people's products and we want the what kind of products have we sort of made the exception for i guess is what i'm asking well um i mean i would say creativity is a spectrum so right. sometimes you can't you know you can't have the source <laughs> material you're, you're upcycling something and, right. and that's fine so there's always exceptions to the rule particularly sometimes there are people who have fair trade products mm. um that yes. they may not even you can't make mm-hmm. in in the u.s or something along those lines so and are some people are upcycling so it's not they're not making the item but they are modifying the item Mm -hmm. so we always have that kind of spectrum of decision making where is this truly unique did they how much of it did they make that kind of thing or embellish or embellish yeah yeah Yeah. and you know oftentimes we had products you know we 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 have great retailers in downtown but there there are certain categories of products over the years particularly uh that we didn't have and one of them uh that we didn't have we do have a, a good uh, array of, of women's clothing in downtown now. We've got some great retailers that offer women's clothing, but back in the day, we didn't have any. Yep. And so that was something It was like, well, you you know, you can't hand make every piece of uh, clothing that you want to bring to the market, but you're embellishing or you're mm-hmm. embroidering, you know, you're adding your own little special touches. And uh, so we would allow uh, people to come into the market if they had something that really we thought downtown in general was lacking. Well, for example, we have the vendor who sells uh, SPF protective uh, <coughs> sorry, fishing shirts. Yeah. Um, so you, you can't hand make an SPF right. fabric, <laughs> but you can certainly right. make that design on it. That's that's the kind of thing is some things it's really difficult to hand make, but yeah. it's been designed and it's something we want and need and it's unique. I think unique is the biggest quality that we definitely look for is like, is this something you can get anywhere else? And right. so there's no other place in downtown, I don't believe, that sells fishing protective T-shirts. Right. So. Well, and the other thing about that particular vendor was that um, we didn't have a lot of products for men. Exactly. Yeah, that as well. And yeah. so when that vendor came to us through another vendor, um, we were like, yeah, you know, again, it's one of those things that we on paper, we probably would have rejected because he didn't meet, he didn't check a lot of the boxes that we were looking for. But upon further consideration, it was like, okay, yeah, we need, we need some items that are going to be interesting to men because men do come to the farmer's market. They do. <laughs> <laughs> and so we have um, our knife sharpener as well. I mean, not yeah. that that's a man thing because, you know, I'm thinking like pocket knives, what made me think of that, but really like it's cooking knives, right? Yeah, we have some service oriented mm-hmm. vendors like yeah. face painters mm-hmm. and uh, the knife sharpener yeah. kind of thing. Yep. And so um, we certainly have other vendors that have items that they're clearly, you know, quote, not making from scratch. I mean, we've got some people that sell, you know, tumbler cups and things like that. But, you know, I think they started off, I think their main products were things that they were making, and then we let them slowly add other things. I mean, some vendors have been with us for 15 out of the 20 years, and their product lines have evolved, and maybe those products were added before we had restrictions on those products, and we're not going to say, oh, you can't sell that anymore. You know, so uh, it's just, there's always uh, gray, you know, shades of gray of what we can 
accept and not accept. Right. So. I think the biggest thing that we try to do is because we do have a we have a pretty lengthy discussion. And so um, we'll talk about the process in, in just a minute. But in we have a pretty lengthy discussion while we're evaluating the applications that are before us. And I feel like we do our best to think about what we already have. Uh, what do we need? You know, is this going to be duplication and just sort of taking away from someone who's already here? Or does this really have any kind of, you know, a unique product? It's really out and out debates. We have it debates. Is. <laughs> That's true. Sometimes we sometimes we're fighting them fighting words. <laughs> we have to defend and and uh, uh, our 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 choice uh, vendor to the others in the group. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. But that's you know, that's good. That means that we're, we're it's not one person making a decision. It's right. an entire market team. Right. And as we're working through that process and we do debate like, you know, you like this, but what about that? And and oftentimes we're able to, you know, we change each other's minds about things um, because, you know, we and we try to think about, well, how did we handle this similar situation in the past? It might have been a different product, but it's a similar situation. And and uh, it's a lot of work. <laughs> we do a lot of work for that. So um, we didn't really talk about the process. And I would like to talk about the process because I think it's important for folks to understand that this isn't just a call us on a Thursday afternoon and say, hey, I'm, I want to come down and set up a table. Uh, as we said at the beginning, it's not a flea market. It's a farmer's market. It's curated. So in our last segment, we'll talk about um, how you can participate. So if you want to do it or you know someone, stick around. All right. You are still with us. Thanks for sticking around. You're listening to Downtown Dish. This is, uh, I'm Julie Townsend. Over there that you can't see that I'm pointing because it's on radio is Brittany Melson. She is LDDA's Marketing and Events Manager. And you got she, it right this I time. did. I did. I, I was thinking about it the whole break. Uh, and uh, she is actually our market manager. So she wears many hats, marketing and events. She does all the wonderful newsletter that you get in your inbox each week. She writes all of that. She gathers all that information from our merchants. Um, manages all the social media and, um, and of course, runs First Fridays and the farmer's market every Saturday, but for when we have our substitute, Krista, who we love that you, she can give Brittany a break every once in a while. But before Krista, you were doing it every single Saturday. Every Saturday. That's, a, that's, you know, that's dedication. Not everybody wants to work every single Saturday. So we appreciate you for that. So we wanted to talk about the process uh, in case folks are wondering, how do I become a vendor at the farmer's market? What would you tell them? I would say, first and foremost, go to our website, mm -hmm. um, which is lakelandcurbmarket.org, curb like the side of a street. Mm -hmm. um, and that is where the application is. Um, we don't have a paper version of it per mm -hmm. se. We don't necessarily need you to come into the office and bring us your product. <laughs> the first step is definitely go on the website. You can get a lot of your questions answered. And that's exactly where that it's not even a full application. It's just a sort of like an inquiry. Like, mm -hmm. is this a product you're open to? So. Yeah. So and, and the importance of that is um, we get, oh, gosh, you know, tens and tens each week uh, of applications, usually, I mean, hundreds and hundreds um, a year. And a lot of it is products that we already have. I would say it's probably like a dozen a week, which yeah. equates to um, probably 500 a year. Yeah. Or so, something along those lines, yeah. if not more. Yeah. yeah. And that's just the ones who actually fill out 
the application, not mm-hmm. the ones who are calling us and asking us questions and, and or stopping you at the market. And probably asking. give out 25 vendor FAQs at the market every day saying, how do I be a vendor? Right, yes. right. So it, it's time consuming. If we actually answered everyone's questions over the phone, it would that would be your whole job. And the information might be wrong, you know. Right. Yes. I am. I am a big. Tell them what. Tell them what I'm big on. <laughs> Julie always says, "Put it in writing. Don't put tell in, anybody anything verbally. Just put right. it in writing. Put it in writing." Um, I, it's not that I don't want to talk to people. It's not that I don't think that you know human contact is important. But I don't want anyone to ever say, "Well, Brittany said this to me over the phone about the farmers market," and and now all of a sudden that's like. The gospel. That's a true story. Yeah. That has happened. <laughs> <laughs> so we put it in writing. We don't have conversations. We don't make decisions in it verbally or over the phone uh, or on the spot at the market uh, because we need that paper trail. Honestly, like you said, 500 inquiries or applications a year. Uh, we've got to have a very organized system. So online, apply. What What's next? Um, so you'll hear back from us. We meet on Wednesdays as a committee and we debate mm-hmm. whether are we open to this product at all? Um, you know, do we have too much of this product? All that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we'll advocate for a vendor. I'll be like, I love that product. We've <laughs> got to have that product. Um, and then you'll hear back from us whether, you know, the product's just not the right fit at all or the product's going to be on the wait list because we're not open to that right now. Or we love your product. We would like you to fill out an agreement, you know, take the next steps. And it's not just an agreement. It's multiple steps. Right. And that has evolved over time. It used to be just fill out this little, you know, vendor agreement and we're done. But, you know, as the vendors that are at the market will tell you, this is probably, I will will say, the best run market. Yes, definitely. Anywhere around Mm -hmm. because of the time and care that we put into the front end of making sure that people understand what's required of them, what's involved, uh, how to be safe at the market, coming and going. All of those things are very, very important to us. And then, so what's the biggest, what's the biggest challenge that you have with vendors in terms of as they, as they're new to the market? Um, A new vendor to the market will often be placed either on the South Block or the North Block, which are our our bookends of the Mm -hmm. market, which are lovely places to be, but they see this one block in the middle and it's got all the oak trees and they're mm-hmm. like, you know, I'd really next week. Can I be in the middle? And I have to say, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you signed a vendor placement policy and you cannot be in the middle. I am very sorry because um, sometimes they get spaces in the middle. But that beautiful block with all those oak trees, 90 percent of those vendors have been here 10 to 15 years. Right. So those are our most veteran vendors. And as vendors have been here a long time, if they want to move towards the mm-hmm. center, they can. Sometimes they're like, no, this is my neighborhood. This is mm-hmm. my block. I'm not moving anywhere. Right. Um, but sometimes there's a little bit of like, I would just love to be on that block with that tree because it is a nice, it's a nice block. Yeah. So I think one of the big challenges uh, is that it is an outdoor market in Florida. It's sun the whole time. Right. Unrelenting sun. Right. Yes. And there's very little shade. And over the over the years, uh, you know, downtown Lakeland has had to remove some trees and that's pained us. A very sad process. (laughs) Uh, Not only because the trees were lovely, but they were they were doing damage to the sidewalks. They were the wrong variety of trees to be planted 30 years ago. Don't even get me started. That's a whole different show. Tragedy. And uh, so they, they've they had to be removed over time, over the years, and that has lost the shade in the farmer's market, which is uh, can be very painful. It's been a tough loss. Yep. So as we've um, as we've lost the shade and we try to make it very clear to people, you know, you're signing up for an outdoor Florida market. 
uh, particularly baked goods. Yes. Yeah. Wouldn't I you mean, say? I would say baked goods, yes, but pretty much every product would do better if it wasn't in the sun. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> true, you know, there is just not a lot of options. Yeah. So. And so, you know, because we don't have a lot of options, we really are very forthright and, and, and uh, uh, you know, we tell it like it is from day one. We have people sign a lot of papers that say, I understand this policy, I understand that policy, and one of, one of them is the vendor placement policy. Tell, tell us what that is. The vendor placement <laughs> policy basically says, I understand that, um, you know, I can't, not all vendors can be on the east side of the street not facing the sun. Mm -hmm. So half of the vendors have to be <laughs> on the other side of the street facing the sun when that sun's rising. It can get pretty intense. And also, not every vendor can be in the middle of the market. We have to have really strong ends of the market. So zone one and zone six, we have to have lots of vendors there because that makes the market attractive. It makes everybody want to walk all the way through the market. If everybody was clustered in the center, all those people on the ends would be sad because they wouldn't get anybody visiting them. That's correct. It's uh, the, the good the good uh, way to um, position a market is sort of like think of like an hourglass. You want a thinner middle and thicker ends because uh, if the ends are thin, you know, no one goes. No one goes there. They're not gonna. They're not gonna walk down there. Right. And now it's five city blocks. Yes, it's and a long so, walk. <laughs> and you have to. You have to have something amazing and exciting in every block. And I think we do. We definitely do. Yeah. And we also plant vendors. We forgot to mention our wonderful plant vendors. Oh yeah, and and those plant vendors. Those plants are grown in Florida. That's right. Know? And if they're edible, you can use your fresh access box. That's right. Them. We yep. got. Uh, herb plants that you can purchase and uh, all kinds of goodies. Edible fruit trees, trees yeah. for your front yard, cactus, you know, plants, succulents, yeah. all yeah. kinds. All kinds of stuff. Um, so so in addition to uh, the vendor placement policy, um, you know, we have folks fill out all kinds of other paperwork that's boring to talk about on the radio. So if you're really interested, then you can certainly apply. Uh, but we also try to, you know, tell people, please visit the market because uh, we will have some folks that that go through the whole process and then say, uh, yeah, it's, 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 you know, my, my, my product really can't be in the sun. Yeah. Which doesn't make any sense to me. And then I say, I'm sorry, you signed the vendor placement policy. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> right. It is sunny. It's absolutely yes. sunny. Yes. Yeah. But it's a Florida outdoor market. Yes. In a street. Yep. Made of asphalt <laughs> with very few trees. <laughs> like you, you do the math. Uh, so yeah. So yeah, we have, um, 100 plus vendors. How many total? I mean, we have lots that are full-time, part-time. That would be a question for Phil as our admin, but I think it's well <laughs> over 200. Yeah, we have yeah. 200 on the roster. Obviously, not every come every week because many of them are part-time. So they only have to, uh, you know, just let us know the week prior that they're going to, that they wish to attend. And we fill them in in gaps with maybe some of our full-time folks. So if you don't see somebody every single week, that's why they, they've signed up to be part-time for the most part. But if you follow us on Facebook and social media or get the newsletter, I do send out a map every week where mm -hmm. you can see who is said they are going to be attending. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are all independent businesses, so yeah. we can't control them. But yeah, so plug how people can learn more if they want to be a customer. It would be at downtown. Um, oh, wait, at, at LKLD Curb Markets. Um, would be the uh, Facebook. Yes, you're LKLD. getting confused with. The I also regular. have at downtown LKLD. So <laughs> yeah, and LakelandCurbMarket.org is the website. Yep. So uh, thank you, Brittany, for being my guest today and telling us about the farmers market. We'll be 20 years old next year, so definitely come downtown on Saturdays, eight to two, and check us out. See ya. Thank you.